Welcome, welcome to today's edition of the Run of the Mills podcast, and we are in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and a right around uh, verse 13, and we have been talking about Jesus and this conversation he has with his disciples when he asks them a question, and the question he asks is this. He said in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elisha, and other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, But who do you say that I am? So this is, of course, this great question that I, I believe everybody at some point in their life needs to answer. I mean, it's really that thing where who who do you say? You know, who do you say that I am? You know, who do men say that I am? Well, people say all different things, right? And that's what they, the disciples say. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. You know, some say that Jesus looked like John the Baptist because he was his cousin. Um, similar ministries calling people to repentance. Uh, you know, John the Baptist being the forerunner of Christ. Um, and then, of course, some said Elijah because there was the the prophecy saying that before the Messiah would come, Elijah would return. But anyway, so he. They're clearly um, the opinions of the crowd um, were varied. Um, and so that's to me, this is interesting because what he doesn't say, men say that he, you know, men were apparently not saying what Peter says, right? Because then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Now, who you say that Jesus is to you in your life should... Um, should affect your life. I mean, a lot of people say a lot of things, right? A lot of people say things that are just not true. They're just not accurate. They say things um, that they wish were true, or they'd like to be true, or they would like to think were true. But, you know, when it comes down to it, what we what we say should align with what we, what we think and what we believe, and how we act, and uh, the choices we make should line up with what we say. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that say a lot of things, uh, that, that make a lot of claims of belief, but when it comes down to it, um, it's not the case. You know, for, for my current job, I've been interviewing a lot of people, and in the interview process, uh, one of the things that I talk a lot about is our uh, the values that are held by the camp where, I, where I'm currently employed. And I talk to these people about, about these values, things like integrity and respect and hard work. And these are things that we're trying to emulate to the children. And the problem is that most people, when they hear these values, they go, oh yeah, those are nice. those are good values. Yeah, that's important. That's important. And they recognize they're important. But what I found is that not all of them who say those things are important really believe those things are important. What they say is inconsistent with what they do, and and it shouldn't be that way. You know, it's 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 tragic, but for a lot of people, when you talk about integrity, their integrity is important unless it comes at a cost to them. It's amazing to me how many people are for for honesty and truth until it comes to saving them a couple dollars on an admission ticket to the movies, and then all of a sudden, their child who's thirteen is twelve. You know. Just little lie, little lying things that, you know, well, it's not a big deal, but it, it's, it cracks in the integrity, you know? And so I will often tell them like, 
hey, if these things aren't important to you, that's okay. But if you're going to work here and they, and it's going to be hard because you're going to be proclaiming things. And if you don't live consistently with the things you proclaim, well, people will call you out. Maybe coworkers, maybe your bosses, but very likely children. And um, you really don't want to be called out by a nine-year-old, you know, by for, for being a, a hypocrite. So anyway, we should not be that way with Jesus. And yet so much of the time, this is what we find with people is that they say, oh, yeah, yeah, me and Jesus, we're good. Oh, yeah, I follow Jesus. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And yet you find this great inconsistency. And, and Jesus even says in Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Yet you do not do the things that I say. You know, when we read the Bible and we see what Jesus says and we find ourselves living in a way that's inconsistent with that, that should be the first thing that tells us, that says to us, that screams at us, you are not following me. You are not a follower of Jesus. Yes, you might say you are. And for some reason, I think a lot of times we think what we say is the most important thing. But oftentimes what we say is not consistent with what we believe. So anyway, all that to say, Jesus asks this question. He says, but who do you say that I am? And again, what we, who we say Jesus is should, should affect our life. And I think what we say with our lips and what we say in our hearts can often be two different things. You know, um, that's a, a, a thing I noticed when I was studying Isaiah years ago was how often um, it will say things like, you've said in your hearts, you've said in your hearts this, you've said in your hearts that. And I think that that's really a um, insightful thing from the Holy Spirit showing us that, you know, what you say with your mouth may not be consistent with what you say with your heart, but what you say with your heart really matters. And so it's one of the things to put to the test today is like, what is your heart? What do you say in your heart about Jesus? Because I think what you say in your heart is what you're going to see lived out in your life. What you say with your mouth is oftentimes what you say to please people or maybe to convince yourself. So Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus points out, like, hey, look, God has revealed this to you. God has revealed this to you. And he goes on and he says this, And I say also to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I only have a minute or so left. So I'm going to go into more on this next time. But but this is, a, this is one of those things. It's a tricky section of scripture. And when we read it, again, I think it's important that we pay attention to our biases, right? Now, if you were raised in maybe a Catholic tradition, when you read this, you're going to read it in a very particular fashion because you have been told things your whole life about Peter, that Peter is the first pope, that the popes have 
apostolic, um, what do they call it? Uh, apostolic su succession. Um, the word escapes me at the moment. But anyway, the idea that the apostolic authority of Peter was passed on from Pope to Pope to Pope. And that authority is this authority that Jesus is giving him here, that Jesus is saying that, you know, you are Peter and Peter means rock. And so then when Jesus says, and on this rock, I'll build my church, um, that he's saying, I'm going to build my church on Peter because Peter's the rock and on this rock, I'll build my church. And there are a lot of people that, again, that come from a Catholic background and that's what you've been taught. That's what you've been told your whole life. And so there's no reason for you not to read this and think that right away. Now, there are other people that are were raised in a very um, Protestant viewpoint. And so you have automatic pushback to anything that you know is a Catholic tradition or a teaching. Now, the challenge is not to support our viewpoint. The challenge is to read the Bible and come to the best possible understanding we can of what the author is actually saying what is actually being said here what is the what is the teaching about this topic on from the totality of scripture from the totality of scripture is the church built upon peter the rock well i think you have a really hard time with that especially when you get to the place where you start reading what peter wrote and what peter wrote in first peter uh, 2, 4, and 5, it says, Coming to him, that's the him being Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so Peter's talking about, you know, Jesus is the the great cornerstone. He's the the one upon which this foundation of the church is built, that we are many living stones. And so Peter himself is not saying, I am the stone upon which the church is built. He's saying, Jesus is the rock on which it's built. And so when we read that, it should um, kind of clue us in, right? Because one of the problems that often happens is that people will take, again, a certain section, a certain portion of scripture and build something upon it. And so when you think about this idea of what, of apostolic succession and, and that the Pope has authority that's passed down from, pre, from every Pope from Peter, well, you can start to see, well, what's going on here? Is this a teaching that we see clearly taught throughout the scripture? Or is this something that was taken from a certain portion of scripture in order to cement authority and power over people? Something to think about. We'll talk about that more next time. God bless you.